Listeners are advised, this podcast contains coarse language, themes of an adult nature, and inappropriate thoughts about boy bands. And inappropriate thoughts by boy bands, motherfucker. This is Amy Long. Oh, and this is Zoe Linkson. And you are listening to... I'm with the boy band. The ultimate boy band podcast. Hey. Hi. Oh, sorry. I was... Way too busy on my phone just then. <laughs> what were you looking at? Can't tell. <laughs> I already know. <laughs> it's so obvious. So, how's this week been in boy band world? There's been bits and pieces going on. I've not been stalked by any boy banders this week. Oh, that's unusual. We haven't bought any tickets to anything this week. Mm, I have, but not boy band <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so, should we get into boy band news? <laughs> yes. Let's dive straight in. Where are we starting? Okay, so boy band news. First of all, we mentioned that Take That had an announcement coming the day after we'd recorded the podcast. It was the DVD. It's coming out on the 15th of November. Next. Uh, Key and Egan from Westlife. Westlife fans have gone wild after Key and Egan posted a highlight video of their latest stadium tour. The Irish singer said that their new album Spectrum is done and in the bag. Okay. <laughs> neither of us are excited about that no sorry Westlife they're all very nice boys they just haven't got the pizzazz the, yeah <laughs> for us I know that there are Westlife listeners oh, out there who huge. love them I, I really reckon when we do Westlife they're going to come oh, way no. higher than anyone expects them to in oh, the charts no. they won't beat McFly though surely well to wait for the Westlife episode to find out, Amy. <laughs> oh, no, I don't know. I, don't I do want that. love the fact that I've done most of the boy band science. Mm. The boy bandology. Oh, yeah. It's done, and I know, and you don't. Mm. Makes me feel slightly superior to you. <laughs> I like to be surprised. <laughs> like the lead scientist on our research project. Mate, you go, honestly, knock yourself out. I'm all right <laughs> with it. I'm perfectly all right with it. In other boy band records coming mm-hmm. out, AJ McLean. Oh, yes. Of Backstreet Boys. He's bringing out a country record. Of course he is. He spoke to the Bobby cast, which is a US podcast by Bobby Bones. Sure. Uh, his upcoming, spoke about his upcoming debut country album, which is called Long Road. If it's anything like, gonna take my horse to the old town road, I'm fully in. Oh, mm. what's that that you just sung? Billy, Billy Ray Cyrus and Nas X. I mean, I'm not cool enough to know if that's true or not, but Miley Cyrus's old man. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Billy Ray. I'm down with the kids. <laughs> I don't think he's down with the kids, though. <laughs> yeah, the uh, solo country music effort came about after the Backstreet Boys teamed up with Florida Georgia Line for a song called God, Your Mama and Me. Oh, no. That sounds horrendous. <laughs> exciting i don't know how i feel about country country boy bandy well this is definitely a a, a well-liked genre i told mm. you about when i road tripped in the u.s yeah. from st louis to chicago yes five hours of country music oh, i love it i love it well there is a country boy band that i saw recently who are a uk us hybrid um i saw them in gibraltar oh. 
King Calloway, they're called. Six guys, they're fucking amazing. I think I mentioned it when we spoke about Gibraltar. But they're a kind of country vibe. They all play instruments. They're kind of reminiscent of the Eagles, that kind of vibe. Oh, nice. So I don't know if I would call them a boy band, but they fucking look like a boy band. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're going to we're gonna have to become King, King Calloway yeah. band girls. Yeah. Down for it. Yeah. Absolutely down for Good. it. Good. I just hit what I thought was another link for our boy band news. Mm. It was me sending you the track me as I travel to your house. <laughs> the link to my... Your journey. Yes. Yes. It's weird that because I looked at it and then half an hour later I looked at it again and you hadn't moved. And I was <laughs> like, I don't believe she's been in traffic for half an hour. <laughs> no, it wasn't too bad today, actually. Good. Quite like the drive over. Sent me a different way. Sent me around the back of the industrial estate. Yeah, I saw, saw that. Weird. Uh, Liam Payne, Louis Tomlinson. Going to Manchester. Yeah, Grazia sold this as... I'm not saying that they're they're clickbait. Grazia sold this as (laughs) a mini One Direction reunion is happening in November. Not really, because it's two members. Not not at all, I would say. That could just be... Like, every time they go out for dinner with each other, is that a mini One Direction reunion? According to Grazia, yes. Okay. So the NSYNC fans should be far happier about all these (laughs) regular mini reunions that their boys keep having. Exactly. I have been watching Justin Timberlake in his film, Friends with Benefits, last night. Oh, I watched that the other day. It was the only film I could get to work on Netflix. Hilarious. In fact, I was watching it on Netflix as well. Like Netflix knows. It's kind of like... We might have completely fucked up here and the entire system is down, <laughs> but we know how to keep her happy. Just throw her a boy band, it's fine. Justin's been up in Scotland this week playing golf. I had one of my photographers there at the, I want to say it's the Dunhill Links, you know, the celebrity pro-am type thing. I believe one of one, uh, Niall Horan might Niall be there Horan, too. yeah, yeah. He's yeah. He loves golf, does Niall. He's always... And a cigar, like the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> with boy banners and cigars. I don't know. Jonas got um, Instagram hacked by Diplo this week. I saw that. Mm. I wasn't sure if it was a hack or some kind of... I think it was... I think it, they're, they're portraying a, it as a hack. In but quote marks hack. I think they've got a single out with him, so it was probably a PR thing. Yeah. But... We see you, Jonas. We see you. <laughs> we do, with both eyes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Manchester, in case any One Direction fans are listening in when they want to know where they can go to their mini One Direction reunion. Mm-hmm. It's the Hits Live, which is... November the 17th in Manchester. Are we going to go? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> very quick, very simple. Big no. And final, do you want to do the final bit of boy band news about my stalker? Well, I thought we could talk about the masked singer, but you go ahead and talk about your stalker. Oh, it's just, all it is, Duncan James from Blue spoke to the Express this week about he was how he was nearly paralysed. He had a trapped nerve and was told that if he didn't have it operated on, then the nerve would die and he wouldn't be able to walk. So he's he's spoken to the Daily Express this week about that. It's uh, That's all it is. I just, you know, thank God he was operated on or he wouldn't be able to stalk me quite I know, so. I know. He wouldn't be able to, so speedy jumping on that train at the very last second. <laughs> So let's talk about the masked singer, US, not UK or Australia. UK masked singer isn't being broadcast yet, it's being filmed at the moment. And Australian masked singer is apparently fucking terrible. Don't know, haven't seen it. <laughs> but the US one, 
looks quite fun i yeah. think so it's the masking started in korea i'm sure it was a it's a korean I, i'm on 100 percent sure that is correct yeah mm. and so it's into second season mm-hmm. the the premises they dress up if they take celebrities they yeah. don't name who the celebrities are yeah and they're put in costumes and really creative costumes like last season they had a rabbit um they had a, I think, want to say they had a lobster. I might not be quite right there. Mm. And they, the costume is so elaborate that you cannot see a single part of the singer's body. You don't get to see their eyes. There is no clue as to who they are. Yeah. You can't tell if they're black, white, Asian, male, female. You can't tell anything about them. You can just hear them. But sometimes the costumes will have little clues within them about who they are. Right. And they go on and they sing songs and they're judged on their singing. So if you're not a great singer, then you get knocked out one like week yeah. by week. But they also the hosts, which include Robin Thicke. Oh, um, I want to. <laughs> it's not Ken Hom, is it? I want to say Ken Hom. Ken Ken, Ken Hyung. Okay, yeah, who is different to Ken Hom that did Ken Hom's Hot Walk? No, different person. <laughs> I loved Ken Hom's Hot Walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jenny McCarthy, boy band adjacent. They have to try and guess who the celebrities inside the costumes are. Oh, Nicole Scherzinger's on it this year yes. as well. Mm. So they have to try and guess who the celebrity inside the costume are based on their singing. And they're also shown little VTs which will have clues in it. So last year, one of the celebrities... this is No spoilers, this is well out there. One of the celebrities, the guy inside the rabbit costume was Joey Fatone. Yes. So there'd have been little clues in the VTs along the way, like they'd have said, you know... Oh. is this singer in sync with current trends type you know yeah stupid clues like that to try and guess who they are so this year they have a character called the rottweiler and there is a lot a lot of talk out there that the rottweiler is robbie williams now generally member of a boy band a lot of people have gone with so i i couldn't find the vt from it i was trying to look the next day when you said mm. Um, I I couldn't find it online to watch to see if one of the clues that was dropped made it clear that it, this was a member of a boy band. Right. Or if people have just gone on that line. Yeah, I don't think they had said boy band member. I think they had just said, you know, likes dogs, obviously, because it's a Rottweiler. And because one of the other suggestions is Nick Lachey, isn't it? Yes, that is another. That's from another article. This one about Robbie Williams. Basically, they say, um, "Well, this was brought to my attention by the girls from Girl Were You Alone, who sent me the link and said, is this Robbie Williams? Because everyone in America thinks this is Robbie Williams, and there are some people on some groups who are so convinced it is Robbie Williams, and I know that you'll know, and I listened to about five seconds, and I was like, I can confirm this is not Robbie Williams. Well, because one of the other things they do is they try and disguise their voices. So when Joey did it last year, you wouldn't necessarily have known from listening to it that it was Joey. And we had to go, oh, that sounds like Joey. Yeah. Because they try and disguise their voices and the way they sing. many people would know what Joey Fatone singing on his own would sound like? I imagine a few. Like the NSYNC fans would know. Like Robbie Williams. People oh, would, yeah, because he's, know a, what I he's mean? a solo artist. Yeah, absolutely. Right. No, I do get what you mean. But, yeah. but I'm just saying that one of the things they do try and do mm. is disguise their voice maybe put an accent or sing in a different pitch to what they're normally yeah. used to singing in so it's it's not massively obvious but obviously then a lot of them aren't necessarily singers so last year they had sports stars yeah, they have actors, tv presenters yeah actors. they have so they it's have not everything. people you'd be not used just to hearing singers, sing anyway exactly 
So um, anyway, yeah, so I went back to her and I was like, no, it's definitely not Robbie. And she said, oh, Ashley said, I know. I thought it was weird. Like, why would he even need to do this? And I was like, well, he's coming to the UK for a gig next week. We're going to see him. So this is like they're live shows, aren't they? They're voted for by the public. They're recorded a couple of weeks. Well, I don't know that there's a live show vote. I that's what Ashley that's said. that's an aspect i'm not oh, okay mm. i yeah. believe so i was Ashley like does then... the audience vote she was like yeah maybe she meant the audience in anyway it's not robbie but there's another article that we found where they were suggesting other people it might be and i think the most likely suggestion i've heard so far is chris daughtry not a boy band but an excellent yeah, singer he's uh American Idol? Yes. He came, I think he came fifth or sixth in American Idol. Maybe the year Carrie Underwood won. And I think that was American Idol Series 4 or Series 5, something like that. And He has a band, isn't he, called Daughtry? Daughtry. Yeah. Because one of the girls, I don't know if she's in the Facebook group, one of uh, my Scottish friends is a huge Daughtry fan. Me too. Got terribly excited because they're coming over. Yeah, they um, have sold out of meet and greets, which I was gutted about when I had a look. But I've seen them live. They're fucking great. They're really, really good. Huh? Boy band? Definitely not a boy band. Rock band. Shame. So, yeah, that's the Masked Singer update. On every Wednesday? Is it? On, I want to say CBS. Is it? (laughs) No idea. No idea either. (laughs) Because, you know... In our pursuit to get Donnie Wahlberg on the podcast, perhaps we'll get his <laughs> wife on first. She's not a boy band member. But she's boy band adjacent. Mm. She's literally with the boy band. Mm. I don't know about that. I mean, yeah, she is. I'll do it myself. But I, I don't know about having her on. Anyway. So I have, following on from last week when we did the rundown of the... Boy band tours, the most lucrative boy band oh, tours yes, so far this yes. year. This week I have found the... Let me scroll back up to the top to see what, exactly what they called it. It's basically the boy band rich list. The mm. richest boy bands mm. ever. Oh, good. Number 20, we start with a boy band called Dream Street. Who? Right. Now, it, it appears... Now, to clarify at the beginning of this... All these rich lists that you see forever, including the website, which is celebrityriches.com or whatever it's called, it's always speculation. Yes. They can work it out from if they do public tax returns of companies and things like that, but it's always speculation, them guesstimating yeah. what they think they've made based on their career and what they do. So none of it's completely accurate. Yeah. We are not saying, we're just, this is of interest, but we're not saying any of these figures are completely accurate. Please don't <laughs> sue us if we're for wrong. overestimating or underestimating your value. That's correct. So at number 20, Dream Street, they, their value of or, or their wealth is estimated at around $9 million. Now this appears to be purely based on member Jesse McCartney. Oh, that rings a bell. Yeah. So Dream Street were a five-piece. They were formed in 99, and they were very popular with the Disney crowd. Yes. Um, Not wanting to ruin the episode, had an album in 2001, and in 2002 they broke up because their parents pulled the boys out of the band, basically. So that's number 20, Dream Street, and that was $9 million. At number 19, B2K. Okay. Mentioned in the... Boys in the, the band. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Their worth is estimated at 17.5 million. Hmm. Uh, one member appears to be much wealthier than the others. Omar Ryan, 
His worth is around 12 million. The other three members fall in around the one and a half to two mark. I legit thought it was pronounced O'Marion. Oh. <laughs> but I don't know. I, well, I have no idea. <laughs> like he's Irish. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Marion. Yeah, exactly. It's not bad, given they were only around for about three years. Yeah. 2001, 2004. At number 29, 18. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Big Time Rush, valued at 34 million. Four members include Kendall Schmidt, who's valued at 12. Logan Henderson at 10. James Maslow at 6. And Carlos Penavega at 6 also. No idea. They something to do with Nickelodeon. Okay. <laughs> something to do with Nickelodeon. It was one of these TV series about a boy band and then the boy band Got went you. off and were Became a boy a band. Boy band yeah. yeah. At number 17, 98 Degrees. Oh, how much? Estimated value, 35 million. Oh. Uh, out in front is singer... Oh, they're all singers. Out in front... <laughs> Nick Lachey at 20 million, yep. his brother Drew at eight, Jeff Timmons at five, and Justin Jeffrey at two. Okay. It's not bad, Justin Jeffrey, the face at the kitchen window. <laughs> at number 16, British boy band The Wanted. Oh. Estimated at $40 million. 40? Uh, evenly split between all five members at $8 million each. Oh. At number 16. K-pop Supremos, BTS, estimated at around $52 million. Wow. I'm surprised and within they're that, higher. It, within that is one member where his worth is valued at unknown. <laughs> like the others are between 8 and $12 million each. Right. Uh, what was I at? 16? Yep. 15? The Monkees. Oh. Valued at $59 million. Uh, Davy Jones had five. Michael Nesmith at 50. Wow. Peter Talk at four, and Mickey Dolan's is down as unknown. Unknown. Uh, I can't remember what number that brings us to. 15. Yes. Hanson. Yay. $60 million. Evenly split between all three Hanson brothers. Well, you would hope so. 20 million each. Yeah. Uh, Bubblegum pop group Hanson hit Pader in 1997 with its number one hit, Mbop. Mbop. I think all 60 of it's from Mbop. Yeah. No, Penny and Me was all right. And I think there was one other one I'd recognise. Uh, next up, Belle Biv DeVoe. Yeah. Valued at $70 million. Michael Bivens is at 40 and Ronnie and Ricky at $15 million each. Did they, were they an offshoot of another band? New edition. I thought so. Also After appear Bobby on left. the chart. So this is, they're looking at individual members worth and adding that together to make the band. So the, the guys will appear again under new edition. Got you. Uh, next up, fucking no idea. <laughs> We've lost count. <laughs> the Jonas Brothers oh. at $75 million. Evenly split, $25 million each. Again, you would hope so. Uh, then comes New Edition. Ah. Valued at 80. Yeah. Uh, that, now, this is what sh- this is the bit that shocks me. So, Michael Bivens at 40, uh, Ralph Tresvant at 8, Ricky Bell at 15, Ronnie DeVoe at 15, Bobby Brown, only $2 million. We probably fucking spent it all. <laughs> yes <laughs> just gave Amy a knowing look across the sofa and she went on, yes on yes, that yes next up five seconds of summer oh yeah valued at 80 million evenly split between all four members at 20 million dollars each didn't we decide declare them not a boy band well according to Yoohoo Finance they are Yoohoo Yahoo <laughs> <laughs> I prefer Yoohoo <laughs> 
is Yoohoo? Oh, haulage. <laughs> rent a car. <laughs> car rental pays. Isn't that like just... U-Haul? Anyway, sorry. What number are we oh, at? No, number Yoo-hoo's 12. glue, isn't it? Yoohoo's <laughs> yes. glue. Yoohoo is glue. We're definitely yes. top 10 now. Next up, New Kids on the Block. Estimated worth $87 million. How's that split? Donnie, 20. Jordan, 18. Joey, 19. John Knight, 14. Danny Wood, 16. Oh, it's not a massive difference between no. them all. And you think that Donny would have more, given yeah, that way he's more. got an actual full-time fucking job. Yeah. Pocket money, mate. Although, as Ronnie and I discovered the other week, he only shows up one day a week, so maybe his pay's <laughs> got cut. Next up, and this is a massive leap and a shock to me. You just mentioned Ronnie, by the way. Oh, she who shall not be named. <laughs> Next up, Boys to Men at oh. 200 million. What? From 80? What were we on for new kids? 87. Boys to Men, 200. Wow. So the three members that are still in the band, Nathan, Wanye and Sean, 60 million each, and Michael McCarry, the member that left at 20. Do you think that's mostly royalties? Boys to Men have achieved iconic status in the R&B world thanks to a successful 25-year career. They didn't stop. Like, mm. they never really split up. I don't know. Wow. Well done, Boys to Men. I know. Backstreet Boys, 210 million. Uh, this is at number eight-ish. <laughs> Want me to go back and count? No. I prefer it when we fuck things up. <laughs> <laughs> How much? 210. Yeah. Howie, AJ and Brian, more money than uh, Kevin and Nick. Kevin obviously wasn't in it for a bit. Nick, the look across the sofa again. <laughs> How much do they um, get? Oh, Nick. So they're Howie, AJ, Brian, 45 million each. Kevin Richardson, 40 million. Nick Carter, 35 million. <laughs> so they reckon Nick Carter's pissed 30, 10 million up the wall. Wow. Lawyer's fees. Anyway, it's good that they actually managed to get that much money after all the hoo-ha they had with Lou Pearlman. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. And speaking of Lou Pearlman bands, next on the list, NSYNC with a net worth estimated at 315 million. Oh, that's million. got to be mostly JT. Yeah. Yeah. JT's valued at 250 million. On his own? Yeah. Fucking Lance hell. at 22, JC at 16, Joey Fatone at 14, and Chris Kirkpatrick at 13. 13 million I'd be all right with, but fuck me, 215 right. million. Just in. This is why we value, we give boy bandology points to their post-boy band career. Yes, yes. Because it is relevant. It's and also, so relevant. all those fuckers out there who laugh at boy bands and say they're not relevant, look at the bank they're making. Right. Next up, One Direction, 340 million. They must be a number five-ish. Shall I scroll up to the top? I'm going to tell you now. So. <laughs> Four. Oh, One Direction at number four. Number four. One Direction, 340 million. Harry Styles leading away with 75 million. Mm. Niall with 70 and Louis also with 70. Zayn with 65 and Liam with 60. Hmm. How did Liam fuck up so badly? He had a kid. Oh, was that what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, know. I know we were discussing earlier about how much kids cost, but I'm fairly certain yeah. it's not around the five million mark. <laughs> Next up. Some British boy band called Take That. Oh, is this at number three? Number three. Yeah. $515 million. Holy shit. How much of that is Gary? 105. Oh, is Robbie. Robbie. Included? Okay. Robbie's worth is estimated at 300 million. Howard and Mark at 40 and Jason at 30. 
Wow. That's a huge chunk that they're yeah. saying Jason missed out on. Yeah. How, much, how much was Gary? A hundred and... hundred and five. And Robbie, three hundred and... Fuck it out. Yeah. How is Robbie worth so much okay, more? Okay, top two. You want to guess them? Hmm. The Beatles is going to be one of them. Are they number one? Yeah, I thought they would be. Number two... Oh, God, no, it's not the Bay City Rollers. I know it's not, because I know they're fucking skint. I don't know, tell me, hit me. Who's number the Jackson two? Jackson 5. Oh, oh, do you know what? Michael Jackson popped in my head for a yeah. minute then. 507.3 million, 500 of which Michael Jackson's estate. Yeah. Uh, Jermaine at 5, Tito at 2 million, Jackie Jackson at 200,000, and Marlon Jackson at 100,000. Wow. What is the gap between 2 and 3? 2 and 3... Oh, hang on. That's not in order. So, no. Take that at number two. Yes, take that. Yeah. They put them in the wrong order on the list. So, yeah, take that. I've got seven and a half to eight more than the Jacksons. So, yeah. number one, this is fucking incredible. Oh, is it going to be know, billions or trillions? I know they've been around forever. Yeah. And it goes to show the, just the legacy of their music and yeah. the fact that they crossed over from being a boy band band into a, a band that was appreciated by, you know, like Musos. Not that it makes any fucking difference if yeah. your boy band isn't appreciated by Musos. Yeah. Because they're not, like, boy bands aren't for those type of people anyway. They're for us. Yeah. And we deserve... What we want. Something that we enjoy just yeah. as much as people with fucking goatees that want to stand in a darkened room listening to some bloke play the gazoo. Fucking jazz fans. The Beatles... On the boy band Rich List, estimated worth $2.75 billion. I'm not surprised. Uh, that's split up with Paul McCartney at $1.2 billion. $1.2 the, billion! The John Lennon estate at $800 million, The George Harrison estate at $400 million, And Ringo Starr at $350 million. Oh, Ringo must be livid. <laughs> right. The Beatles, the Beatles split up almost 50 years ago. Fuck. Again, the boy band legacy and what they do with their future careers and how they carry on. It's incredible. That's fucking crackers. I also feel like this is a slight spoiler for what's to come on our chart. No, because this is worth. So the worth. Yeah. We don't value the number of record sales. We value chart positions. Yes. So they get people will score their points based on their chart position. Yeah. Not necessarily the volume of sales. Fair enough. And we don't put a value on touring because it's it's impossible to find those yeah. figures for everyone. So we don't give money on, based on touring. Yeah, that's or true. Merchandise sales. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And don't forget, like the Beatles' first album has had sixty years worth of sales. <laughs> yeah, that's where they're getting their billions from because yeah. they they've been getting royalties. If you ignore the Apple Core shit that went down. Yeah, yeah. But they've been getting royalties on their music for. 60 years mm. more than One Direction have. Yeah. So it's not, although it's it's kind of a litmus as to where things might happen in our chart, it's not... It's not a sure thing. Yeah, the science yeah. of boy bandology isn't based on how much money have you got, dude. Yeah. Like, put your card in the cash point, show me your bank balance. 1.2 billion, one man. I know. I wonder how much he had to give in his divorce. Oh, to... Uh, Heather. Yeah. We'll be back right after this. Right, so our next entries into the ultimate boy band playlist. Got it right. Nailed it. Ah. Congratulations, it's only taken you 22 weeks. You shush your mouth. So we left off last week on... We did Aha, Take On Me, and we... Oh, oh, oh. 
we had some boy bandivity with Aha this week. Oh, yes. So Aha announced on Friday the release date for the remastered. Is it remastered? It's not remixed. Remastered release of the Hunting High and Low album, which contains the track. Take on me. <laughs> and it was announced the day we recorded the episode. The day we released the episode. The day we released the episode. There we go. Boy Bandifity. So our next entry is mine or yours? I'm going to go first, okay. I think. Keep it a little bit upbeat. Uh, my entry this week was the debut single from this boy band, released in August 1966. Oh. Uh, it was written by Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart. And it topped the Billboard Hot 100 on November the 5th, 1966. The lead vocals were performed by the boy band's drummer, Mickey Dolans. Nice. Uh, It featured in their television series, which was also called The Monkees. It got to number one in the US, number 14 in Australia, number six in New Zealand, number five in Ireland but only number 23 in the UK, which didn't happen until the year after in 1967. Oh. My entry for this week's Ultimate Boy Band playlist is The Monkees' Last Train to Clarksville. Nice. nice. I love this record so much. It reminds me of being a kid. Yeah. And I don't know why, because obviously I was born eight years after it came out. Well, you say that. <laughs> <laughs> so my... You think I'm reverse barlowing? <laughs> Not at all. My entry follows from the 80s, the late 80s. It is by the band Bros. Oh, and another one of my boy bands. Another one of your boy bands. And it's off their debut album, Push, which was released in March 1988. The song that I'm adding, there's not actually a lot of info on this particular song. It's the sixth release from Push. It was a double A-side. It was released at Christmas with Silent Night. It was. So the Silent Night video was all done in black and white and it was filmed in the church and the video for your song was... uh, The storyline was Matt was leaving home because it wasn't a nice atmosphere to be in. Yeah. I remember both videos really vividly and not from having watched them recently. I remember them being black and white. Yeah. I do Uh, And it was raining. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But their attempt at Christmas number one, I think, did it say when it was released? It does. So it was the sixth release from Push following I Owe You Nothing, When Will I Be Famous, Drop the Boy, I Owe You Nothing Again, and I Quit. (laughs) And this song song was released, as you said, as a double A side on the 21st of November 1988. And this song is Cat Among the Pigeons. I love this song so much. It still gives me chills to listen to it. Mm. Now, 31, almost 31 years later, wow. I still get a little shiver down my spine when I listen to it. It used to be amazing to listen to live. It was so, so good. Cool. Okay, so that's this week's Ultimate Boy Band Playlist. The link to the Spotify of all the songs so far. If you've got two and a half hours of your life to just listen to songs we like with a contribution from Donny Warburg that no one likes, <laughs> uh, the link to the Spotify <laughs> playlist is in the show notes. So you'll get that by just clicking on the show details on wherever you're listening to the podcast. We're going to be back right after this with part three of the McFly story. Woohoo! Well, in preparation for part three of McFly, I got set homework. 
which I thoroughly fucking enjoyed, <laughs> I might add. I'm not the hardest taskmaster in the world, Amy. <laughs> I don't make you do stuff unless I think, oh, Amy's going to love this. Oh my God, I loved it so fucking well. You can't say what it is yet because it's a spoiler. Okay. It's a little bit of a recap. Uh, McFly were formed from the dregs of the busted auditionees. <laughs> Tom Fletcher, who then found another bandmate in Danny Jones at an audition for yet another boy band that he didn't make it into. And by choice. <laughs> and then he got a bit showy off and was like, oh, I know Busted. Yeah. Come to <laughs> Manchester Arena with me. Flirting. <laughs> <laughs> they found two more members via yet more auditions. Mm-hmm. And that was... Dougie Pointer. And Harry Judd. And they embarked upon a, quite frankly, amazing career. So last week in episode two, we heard about their connection with Lindsay Lohan. They released... Three albums, Wonderland, Radioactive, and Above the Noise. And we also talked about Tom's diagnosis, non-diagnosis with bipolar, and Dougie's suicide attempt, his struggle with drug addiction, and his stint in rehab. And we ended off the episode with Harry winning Strictly, and Dougie winning I'm a Celebrity. And at this stage in their career, they have released 19 singles, 17 of which have gone top 10, and 7 of which have gone to number 1. And they've won a Brit Award. So today, before you came over, I watched Harry's final two dances on Strictly. I did that last week. And then I also watched a bit of Dougie winning I'm a Celebrity as well. Uh, What I really wanted to watch was Tom going out there to greet him and see all that backstage bit. Yeah. So, yeah. But, oh, God, it was so good. Uh, It's actually Did you also freak out when they were jumping up and down on the bridge? I didn't watch that. Oh, yeah, right at the end. <laughs> I know, I hate it when they do that, but so long ago, eight years ago. Yeah. 2011. Uh, McFly, the McFly story and the busted story has taught me that 10 years goes fucking fast. When we're, you're as old as we are, yeah. <laughs> so we find ourselves in 2012. In March, rejuvenated, they play the 30 date Keep Karma Play Louder tour, in which they began to reveal some new tracks, which included. Do Watcher, Red and Touch of Rain. And these were all tracks that had been penciled in for their sixth album. They were followed on tour by for a documentary called McFly on the Wall, which was aired on Channel 5. I think that's the greatest documentary name ever. McFly on the Wall. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of puns with their name, isn't it? Yeah. Like the McFly Up and <laughs> etc. In the May of that year, Tom Fletcher married childhood sweetheart Giovanna. They'd met at the Sylvia Young Theatre School And the video of his wedding speech has had almost 21 million views on YouTube. Mm. And at the wedding, he had three best men, because really, who can choose between McFly's? Right. Well, I watched this video last night again as well, because it had been a little while since I had. And yeah, it's it's really good. Somebody I spoke to, and I can't remember who it is, I kind of feel like it might have been our theme tune writer, Chris Russell, said it was a bit self-indulgent. Oh no! Mm. Oh, Chris. <laughs> I can't, I mean, I, let's not blame him directly because that's my poor memory. But so there we go. So Tom and G headed off on honeymoon to Saint Lucia with Harry and his girlfriend Izzy because obviously McFlies don't travel alone. <laughs> no, always, always travel in a pack. <laughs> so Harry and Izzy had met in two thousand five when Izzy, as a violinist, performed with McFly on tour. 
but it wasn't a glad I crushed the honeymoon scenario. So although the two couples did fly out together, they went their separate ways when they landed. As Harry was planning for his own McWife, and he had chosen St. Lucia as the beauty spot to propose in. Uh, spoiler, she said yes. Oh yes, she does say yes. Yeah. Uh, in September, they play their first proper shows in the US. They played there before, but it had been part of the promos for Just My Luck. Did you Lindsay say Lohan. you watched that again last I night? I did. I found it on Amazon Prime when I watched yeah. it. It's actually not... I know it went Razzies and stuff like that, but it's for what it is. Yeah, it's all right. It was enjoyable. Yeah, totally. It was, you didn't need to concentrate on it. No. And it had a very... Because of the inclusion of McFly, it had a, a bit of a Beatles... You know when Beatles did like a Hard Day's Night, the film, yeah. and they're just there being really English? Yeah. I, I loved that aspect of it. I think the song that they sing, their first song, Five Colours in Her Hair, has got a Beatles vibe yeah. about it anyway so yeah uh so they played two shows at the roxy in la and two at the gramercy in new york and these sh- shows sold out in less than a minute nice and at these shows they debuted yet another new song called love is easy they also whilst they were in new york made a special appearance on the chris moles radio show back in the uk now chris moles had been playing their single party girl every friday for 140 weeks <laughs> Uh, he called it, he christened it McFly Day and it was a way for his listeners on The Breakfast Show to kick off their weekends on a high. Hmm. And as he was due to leave the station, the band appeared on his very last show with a re-recorded version called Starboy. Oh, so when he actually left, the, when he finished his job there and left forever, not left for the day. Yeah. Like when he actually finished his job. Yeah, so there's a really, you can the videos on YouTube of them they doing the song from their New York hotel room. And again, it finishes in a very Beatles stroke monkeys type way of the four of them in bed together. Mm. Maybe slightly more Bert and Ernie. Nice. So Tom Fletcher had announced on Twitter their next single was going to be Red, but this was changed to Love is Easy following its really good reception on tour. And it, that was released on the 11th of November 2012 and reached number 10. Two weeks later, they released another greatest hits album, Memory Lane, The Best of McFly, which included most of their hits. They now had 20 top 20 singles to choose from, plus new tracks Love Is Easy, Do Watcher and Cherry Cola, which went to number 21. Having now been together 10 years, releasing a greatest hits felt more appropriate than the earlier one. Right, which was after three. After three albums. Yeah, Uh, In December 2012, they appeared in a one-off ITV programme called The McFly Show. (laughs) This is the other thing I meant to send you as homework. It's the funniest thing ever. And again, very monkeys. They do little skits. I loved it. I don't think I saw it at the time. It popped up in my YouTube suggestions earlier. I want it to be a permanent thing. (laughs) Uh, The same month, Harry ended The Year of McLovin by marrying Izzy. And you can probably guess who his three best men were. Oh. Um... And another success came that Christmas for Tom and Dougie, who had unexpectedly had another bestseller, but this time in the form of a book about a dinosaur with a squits called The Dinosaur Who Pooped Christmas. <laughs> I have a feeling that my mum might have bought that for one of my nieces <laughs> and nephews. Say for you. Not for me. <laughs> So in late tw- January 2013, the band went on a writing trip and were joined by longtime pal and collaborator James Bourne from Yes You Are a Boy Band, Busted. James had just seen his musical Loserville, based on the songs of Son of Dork, moved to the West End and had been making quite a name for himself in musical land, as had his bandmate Matt Willis, who had been playing to rave reviews in the West End production of Wicked. Now, I thought I had seen him in Wicked. I didn't. I saw Lee Mead. Oh, 
Not the same. Matt and James had made an attempt to reunite Busted, but had been met with resistance from third member Charlie Simpson, who wouldn't even allow them permission to use the name without him. Although they had all met up once the previous September, it was the first time since their split. In 2012, McFly had joined with James and Matt to write for their sixth album and recorded demo tracks which included Hyperion, 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 Break Me, Love Is Easy, (laughs) Do Watcher, Cherry Cola, Red, Love Is On The Radio and Touch The Rain. And it was on this recording trip that Tom would frequently disappear because by now... His wedding speech video had just gone viral (laughs) and he was recording interviews with television stations around the world. Amazing. In April and May of 2013, they go on 21 date tour of the UK called Memory Lane, Mm -hmm. uh, in which they got to play all of their greatest hits, creating a bit of a fever pitch for them before they went off to record their sixth album. In Manchester, they were joined backstage by James Bourne. This was a city in which Air Hostess and Unsaid Things had been written. So he... He basically said he joined them there in case there was some kind of Manchester magic going on and that they could create a new hit together. Because they were still all writing together for... Yeah. yeah. And he's like, is this the magical place where, yeah. where great hit singles are written? As McFly mucked around backstage, the nugget of an idea formed that it would be a little bit wild if James went out and played too. Just as a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. So before the support band, the Vamps, took to the stage, James Bourne, one third of Busted, and his guitar took to the stage in front of three and a half thousand fans at the Manchester Apollo. That's so... Imagine going to see McFly, because everyone who loves McFly loves Busted. Everyone does. Imagine going to see McFly, and as a surprise, James Bourne walks out with a guitar. But imagine if you hadn't got there early. That would be me. I don't want to see the vamps. That would be me. We're going right in at nine o'clock, we're not seeing it. 100% me. (laughs) He played a couple of songs, and the audience appeared to all join, join in with him. But it was as he played Year 3000 that they went absolutely nuts. And it was all watched from the side of the stage by his McFly powers. On the TV documentary Busted the Birth, James later said, it didn't feel like it was playing for someone else's fans. It felt like McFly fans were also Busted fans. Right. It felt like a home crowd. It felt like a Busted audience. As he lay in his hotel room later that night, there was a knock on his door. It was manager Fletch. Fletch showed James a long list of arena dates, but James was baffled. Fletch had always advised James well. After all, this was the man that had built not only Busted, but also McFly and V. James <laughs> James shook his head. Last time he had toured, he'd barely sold out Islington Academy, which held 800. He couldn't do arenas. The promoters believe you can do this, Fletch told him. In September 2013, McFly played for what are now classed as historic dates at the Royal Albert Hall to celebrate their 10th anniversary. The show opened with Saturday Night, which had been the first song they'd ever played in front of an audience, which was when they supported Busted back on tour. Mm. Fans were treated to an array of all their hits, plus they debuted Love Is On The Radio. This was scheduled to be their next single. Dougie got to play on the Albert Hall's world-famous organ for the opening of Transylvania. That's amazing. Uh, This bunch of kids had, well, now they're in their late 20s, had had 19 top 10 singles among their greatest. Seven of them were number ones. Born out of the rejection from Busted, but also from persistence and determination in what kind of band they wanted to be and resolute in their belief that despite the naysayers, there was a place in the world for a McFly 
or a busted. And it was from these shows played at one of London's most iconic buildings that more history was about to be made. As the last notes of Love is in the Air faded away and the lights of the Royal Albert Hall were dimmed, in James's own words, If I can go on stage at a McFly show and play busted songs and have it go down as well as it went down, surely, if Matt came on too, it would be even better. The big screens at the gig flicked on and VT played of Matt and James talking about McFly. Not an unexpected turn of events in this celebration of their history. As the video stopped playing, the venue fell into complete darkness and silence, but for the murmur of the audience. And then the unmistakable bass line of Year 3000 began to play. The lights came on, but they were being swooshed around and it was impossible to see who was on stage. As the music played, the lights at the back of the stage burst into life, spelling out one word, McBusted. And as the stage lights settled on stage, stood six. James, Matt, Tom, Danny, Harry and Dougie. Have you watched the YouTube of the Albert Hall thing? I've only seen a little clip of it. So I would recommend anyone to stop at this point in the podcast, unless you're driving, that'd be really bad, <laughs> to go and take a minute just to find that bit of video of it happening because, like, describing it doesn't do it justice of, yeah. justice of how I imagine the goosebumps in that venue were at that moment. That when venue's it was just fucking amazing. Complete fucking darkness. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like look busted yeah yeah it's amazing on november the 11th 2013 it was officially announced that the six were joining forces to form uber boy band mcbusted along with a planned 11 date tour to follow the next year in order to be able to use the busted name matt and james had reportedly by the mirror paid charlie a six-figure sum for his third in the copyrighted name the mirror quoted a source as saying all three sat down amicably and worked out a figure that everyone was happy with. Charlie made it clear in no uncertain terms that that's it for him and the boys now. It's finished. The morning that tickets went on sale, the six sat around a breakfast table at a hotel, nervous about what was about to happen. They were waiting for news from Fletch, good or bad, about whether a tour had actually been the right decision. And at 9.15, 15 minutes after sales started, the phone rang with the best news. The tour had sold out. 11 arenas, 140,000 tickets. They told 10,000 tickets a minute and the dates had completely sold out in 900 seconds. That night, the supergroup made their television debut on the Children in Need charity fundraiser, fundraiser, <laughs> trouble riser, fundraiser, playing live to 10 million viewers. Now, have you watched this? I mean, not recently. Again, it's goosebumps. Okay. It's because it starts off with McFly on stage and they begin playing and then it turns into year 3000 and it, and they come on stage and they have fucking dance routines and it's just the That's best. Wicked. Again, goosebumps. It's watching these little bits of videos that got me so excited about this entire episode because I was like, yeah, I love McFly. I love Busted. McFly are great. Yeah, McBusted. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's kind of a Franken boy band type it's thing. It's a weird concept, but actually the reality is... The excitement I've got, because as I was going through doing the research, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch that so I know I can get an understanding of the emotion. And I, I'm now here, like, what, six years later, was getting so emotional about it. Yeah. It's nuts. Uh, there was, however, still McFly business to be done, and on November the 24th, Love is in the Air was released as a single, reaching number six. But 
Also, a newly recorded mix featuring McBusted was released, and this was a song that had been written by Tom, Danny and James together. But as more dates kept getting added to the McBusted tour, the future of album number six became uncertain. It was intended they would release it the following spring, back on their own label, Super Records. With schedules filling up with being in a supergroup, it was delayed. And Tom had by now announced that he and June Varna were expecting, so his schedule would also need to fit in a birth and some baby bonding. His bandmates teased him about a follow-up to his successful YouTube video, saying he'd need to do the live birth whilst playing this love song on a ukulele as a follow-up to it. <laughs> so he said on a TV interview that the baby was due two weeks before their first McBusted date. Fun times. On the 9th of December, McBusted announced they would be headlining at the British Summertime concert in Hyde Park the following year to 65,000 people with support from the Backstreet Boys, the Vamps and Scouting for Girls. It was a particularly sweet announcement as support band, the Backstreet Boys, had commented on their union saying, McBusted, it sounds like a sandwich. But to the guys, this meant a lot. James had first introduced Matt to Backstreet when they started writing together back in Southend. The first song Tom had learned to play on the piano was Backstreet Boys, and it's what he played in his own audition for Busted. And when Tom had to take Danny outside during the auditions for V and teach him a pop song, it was a Backstreet Boys one he turned to. Uh, Early in 2014... Can I just say, sorry to interrupt you... That would have been a really fucking good lineup to see, right? Right, yeah. Damn it. Early in 2014 at James's house down in Cornwall, the six gathered together to write an album, much like he had done in his parents' house in Southend and McFly had done in Princess Park. They set up a home studio in his living room. A few weeks after, they teased the title of one track, OMFG. It wasn't a massive shock to fans that they'd been writing together. It was, after all, what they'd all been doing for well over a decade, just in their separate entities. And on April the 1st, Harry announced that they would be releasing an album. I mean... Would you not have gone, <laughs> you're all right, April Harry? April yeah. <laughs> but it took a backseat in favour of the McBusted tour, which by now had extended from the initial 11 arenas to 34. Well rehearsed, as you no doubt need to be when there's five guitars in your supergroup. They had carefully chosen which of their 14 number ones would make it into the set list and who would sing which of Charlie's lines in the Busted songs. But before the tour began, they were joined by one more member when on the 13th of March, Giovanna gave birth to Buzz Michelangelo Fletcher and with Buzz's arrival came a new YouTube video sensation, a time-lapse taken over nine months of G's ever-growing belly. That's also another really cute video. Yeah, it is. I like, watched that I last night I know this again. is their generation, but... The McFly approach and ability and their understanding of social media and how it works and how it feeds into their fandom is just incredible. Yeah. So incredible. Still now, like the little Instagrams you'll get of them with, out with the kids. Mm. They under, there's an understanding that although everyone's growing up and maybe growing out of a boy band, their fans still care because it holds such a place in your heart when you it's a band you liked as a teenage girl that you're always going to give a shit about what they do. Yeah. At the arena, screens flickered into life. A single day in white on black, January the 14th, 2005. Amid a cacophony of calls from the waiting journalists and a blizzard of camera flashes, the three men hurriedly made their way from the room, having just delivered the worst news of two of their young lives. The door closed behind them. For the first time in three years, there was only silence. How to find the words to say goodbye? They didn't even try. Matt and James made their way glumly to the car park. 
It was grey concrete all around, as gloomy and as hard and unforgiving as the choices now before them. They faced each other, the end of everything written in the slope of their downturned necks, in their downcast eyes. They shook hands formally, but almost immediately Matt flicked his long dark fringe, styled just on the one side in the emo fashion, <laughs> out of his eyeliner ringed eyes and pulled James into a massive hug. This wasn't the time for being cool. This was the end. James hugged him back hard. He'd never thought it would finish like this. He pulled his baseball cap down firmly over his eyes and slipped silently into the waiting car. The door slammed, echoing around the cavernous car park, and the car drove off. Matt couldn't even bear to watch the taillights fade away, which is why he was so surprised when he heard James call back his name at the top of his voice. Matt! His bandmate ran up to him, the car in which he was supposed to be sitting somehow still in sight in the distance, travelling at speed. And yet James was very much here, now, panting and desperate, and clutching a tour programme in his hand. Matt struggled to compute what he was seeing, his forehead furrowed with the effort. James grabbed him and held his arms tight. We've got to go back, he declared. Back, echoed Matt. Back where? James paused for a moment and then delivered the line to end all lines. Back. To the future. <laughs> so that's taken from Jennifer Parker's book, McBusted. It was the best way to describe. So this was the piece of VT that opened the McBusted tour. The culmination of two bands' careers coming together as one. And just the perfect way to link the connection that bo- and the affinity that both bands had with the Back to the Future movie. So they recreated their version of Back to the Future. So that was the VT that played. And Amy, so what then happens in the stage show? So, yeah, so basically, I don't know if it was clear from that, was that they went to the day that they, they that busted out their yeah, breakup. so it's the VT was them, it was supposedly VT shot of them doing the press conference of Busted announcing that they'd split, the two boys leaving the press conference, going out to the car park saying goodbye and the end of it all. And then it goes into the Back to the Future bit where James runs in with a tour programme from the future and grabs him and is like, we have to go back to the future. And it's so wicked. It's really cool. So once that happens, the show opens, the stage has got two burning tyre tracks on and a DeLorean descends from the ceiling and it's... Matt and James get out of the car and as they come out of the car up from the stage like through traps that burst them up spring McFly, McFly out of so they, the things shoot up and that's the jumping yeah. bits you saw in the video so the show also had a fucking UFO which descended from the ceiling light up neon guitars and an homage to Michael Jackson in which Danny, James and Matt cracked out their best boy band dance moves Oh, they do like a Jackson 5 choreography thing, don't they? And Matt appears in a wedding dress for the Glad I Crashed the Wedding song, which started the encore, followed by Year 3000 and three very large inflatable breasts. I've seen these before on an Elton John tour, but it was just two, two tits. (laughs) They celebrated an amazing first show back at their hotel in the way only 2014 conglomerate of the two bands could, with sandwiches, nachos and mint tea. Thing is, they've got two alcoholics who have been to rehab, so they have to do it in a very vanilla fashion. On the last night of the tour, they were presented with plaques by the management to commemorate that they sold out every single one of the 34 shows, which prompted James to say... This is the most special thing I've ever been given. I never thought I'd get anything like this again. 
that to me was so of the documentary we watched the most moving moment because for him his music pop career was over he had very successful other careers but that day that charlie told them they were splitting up yeah that was the end of it for him and they tried he and matt had been keen to get back together but Mm. there'd been no route through it for them yeah so for him he thought he'd never play on stage again let alone play 34 dates to tens of thousands of people well 35 including Hyde Park at the end was it Danny or Tom who said you know James Bourne with a guitar never ever thought he'd get the opportunity to perform these songs again yeah I think it it was Danny yeah Yeah. it's amazing and also I was there on the first night at the O2 not that I remember it that well clearly in June 2014 they also played as a support band for One Direction in Europe during their Where We Are tour uh, because the support band they had, Five Seconds of Summer, cancelled. One Direction was a band that Tom, Danny and Dougie had all written with and for. And for a lot of the One Direction members, their first gigs had been back in 2004 watching McFly support Busted. Uh, it was a lineup that would be repeated next year on One Direction's On The Road Tour in Australia. And there was the matter of 65,000 people in Hyde Park which is literally a stone's throw from the Intercontinental Hotel that was so significant in the creation of both bands, where they had held meetings with Richard Rashman, where Tom had spent the night sharing a room with a self-loving bass player, where they had written and recorded Room on the Third Floor, literally on its third floor. You could walk from the hotel to the stage in less than five minutes. Well, some people could. I'd, I'd probably Uber it. <laughs> uh, off the high of Hyde Park, they headed into the studio record, to record the album that everyone wanted them to make, but not before Danny wed his Miss England, Georgia Horsley, with his McFly bandmates as three of his six best men, and as well as being serenaded by both McFly and McBusted. Six best men. Who were the other three? I, it doesn't say. Fuck I couldn't sake, find that Danny. out. There had been a bidding war between Sony and Ireland to secure McBusted to a label. And on the 7th of October, Tom announced in a tweet that they would be releasing a single. Uh, they then released a film called Tour Play, which was a documentary that had filmed them behind the scenes for nine months on tour, which is the documentary we keep referring to. It's on YouTube. It's amazing. Do find it and watch it. I will probably need to give you homework notes, everyone, because I keep going. <laughs> yeah. You must go and watch this. You must go and watch this. But We'll recap them all at the yeah. end. The record label Bidding War was won out by Island, the label that had set both groups on their paths originally. And in November, McBusted released Air Guitar, which debuted at number 12. It also reached number one on the chart for the sales of physical CDs. So they break down the chart into two bits. So there's the digital downloads bit where, you know, the the cumulative chart got them to number 12, but just the physical CDs alone. Were number one. Yeah, which I wonder if some of that's fed from the move they made with putting their cds into papers oh yeah you know so many years ago where they encouraged people to be like the physical thing is 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 more valuable than something that you that's intangible yeah even though i'm all about digital downloads (laughs) as they did the press and promo for the single matt hinted during a gig that anyone buying the single would get priority access to tickets if we tour again so it came as a surprise to absolutely nobody when the McBusted Most Excellent Adventure Tour was announced. 16 arena dates in spring 2015. Tom promised that this one would be bigger and better. Four boobs and two DeLoreans. In December, self-titled McBusted album was released 
And they were up against some boy band called Take That. Who? And they peaked at number nine. They ended off their amazing supergroup year by being named the ultimate men of the year by Cosmo magazine. I'd like to know where Take That's album ended up. <laughs> I mean, you shouldn't. <laughs> Super fan. I know, I'm a terrible fan. In January 2015, Get Over It was released as the sec- second single off the album, but only managed to reach number 82 on the chart. It was followed by the McBusted Most Excellent Adventure Tour, now at 21 shows from March to April. They added in two gigs in Sydney and Melbourne, which happened while they were out there supporting One Direction. In July, Dougie hinted that there may be another McBusted album before Christmas. And then on the 10th of November, it was announced that Charlie Simpson had returned to Busted. Oh, hi, Charlie. And Matt Willis confirmed that as a consequence of this, McBusted was no more. Did they ref- Did he refund the money they paid him for use <laughs> of the name? Know. But I wonder if he now doesn't get paid any like <laughs> Busted, like any merch money. In an interview with Hunger TV, Willis said, We've done McBusted. It was awesome. We loved every second of it. Now it's time to be in this band. He also told Fabulous Magazine... McBusted was fun, but it wasn't my band. It felt like I was on holiday with some mates, but there's a certain point when you want to come home. We should have just kept it to one tour and then everything would have been perfect. Yeah. And Tom Fletcher later told Fabulous Magazine that McBusted was an opportunity to have some fun, but McFly is for life. McBusted has been amazing fun, but it's not where our passion lies. We want to make album number six. He later confirmed to Fern Cotton on a documentary that McFly were hoarding three unreleased albums. Fucking it's, put them it's, out. Yeah, it's, I know, selfish. It's good, though, that both sides of McBusted felt the same way. Yeah. They said in, again, that documentary tour play that they all felt the same way that they wanted to do it. There was not a single member that was like, I don't want to do this. Yeah, and no it, one was being dragged along. And you can see that from the footage as well. They just look like they're having the best so much fun, which is what you want from a boy band. Yeah. You don't want um, to go along to a boy band show and come away feeling depressed. Yeah. And, like you, and Matt said he felt like he had to go off and grow up now. Now he had a family and everything else. And he said, and then we started McBusted and I realised I don't have to fucking grow up. It's great. Uh, in eight, in February 2016, Tom and Giovanna's second baby, Buddy, is born. Uh, and in April, McFly announced their comeback with the anthology tour, which would happen in June. It would hit just four cities, Glasgow, Birmingham, Manchester and London. And they would play each venue for three nights. And over those three nights, play every song from every McFly album. Wow. And following the tour, they'd start working on the much-discussed sixth album. But... Harry Judd herniated a disc and the tour was postponed until September 2016. Do you think that he did that showing off his Strictly moves? <laughs> I don't know, it's just ageing. And someone's like, but you still can't do the tango. And he's like, fucking watch me. How's your injury following your undressing disaster? I've stopped undressing and I'm fine. <laughs> following the tour, they revealed they had scrapped two albums worth of songs that had been recorded since Above the Noise in 2010. Tom said, if we release stuff we recorded three years ago, we wouldn't be a hundred percent behind it anymore we still love the songs but we'd be excited about doing new things but they did plan to begin recording new material in january the next year and although they did take a writing trip the mcfly journey seemed to have come to a stop uh, around the same time tom released his first novel which is called the christmasaurus uh, in january 2017 the guys went on this writing trip which really didn't come to anything well it didn't result in their sixth album and the guys all took a break for fatherhood 
speaking to Asda magazine nice. in June, Tom said, it's nice now. We get the time to just go and do stuff and there's no real pressure. So when we feel like we're ready to do an album, we will. Harry and Izzy had a daughter called Lola and then a second child called Kit. And in July, it was announced that Danny was also expecting an addition with his wife, Georgia, who would turn out to be a son called Cooper, who was born at the start of 2018. Following Kit's birth, both Izzy and Harry spoke publicly about their struggle to conceive Lola due to Izzy's polycystic ovary syndrome and the miscarriage she had three years earlier. In October, Tom released a musical version of the Christmasaurus, as well as another children's book, The Creakers. He is now one of the UK's best-selling children's authors. The same month, Harry released a book called Get Fit, Get Happy, and he spoke to this morning about becoming addicted to skunk and the crippling anxiety he'd endured during the early years in McFly and how turning to exercise was initially to help him get fit but how he discovered it helped him with with both things he also spoke in the book about a stint he himself had had in the priory to overcome his addiction exercise had helped me turn my life around he said describing physical activity as his go-to weapon in the battle to stop his smoking it helped fill the gap left when I stopped drinking alcohol I've come to accept that anxiety and OCD are issues that will probably be with me for the rest of my life. Every day I'm aware of the need to take care of myself. If I don't, the demons banging on the door might find a way in. Have you seen how fit Harry is? Right. Have you seen those arms? Right. And that's just one part. I'm glad you decided to give up skunk, Harry. Not just because it's not the best for you psychologically. It causes some very serious mental health issues. Mm -hmm. But... Boy, oh boy, I believe we're both on this sofa. <laughs> All present on the sofa are very glad that you took to fitness as your way out and not, say, knitting. Oh, this is an agreement too. Dougie had been working on a film in which he stars alongside Rufus Hound, Catherine Kelly and badly drawn boy called Cat and the Band. Now, this film's finished. It's done. It was filmed in the end of 28 and I can't find it. There was one screening of it in May, but it's not on general release anywhere. But I've watched the trailer and it looks really good. And oh. I really fucking want to see it. I Why don't you tweet Dougie and ask him? I have set up a Google alert. Have we got a meet and greet set up for McFly? We haven't, have we? No. We need to sort that out. In December, a stage production of The Christmasaurus played at the Hammersmith Apollo, which stars Giovanna Fletcher, Carrie Hope Fletcher, this is Tom's younger sister, Danny Jones and Matt Willis. I wonder who did the casting. (laughs) On New Year's Eve, Harry spoke to Michael Ball on BBC Radio saying that McFly would be back with a new single in 2018. Lies. (laughs) In March 2018, their Twitter account confirmed that they would spend the next year focusing on their solo projects and Dougie almost immediately joined band Inc. as well as playing live shows with A. Can I just say that Boy band members always say on Twitter that they, oh, there'll be a new single next year. Yeah. Sorry, but we're still waiting for Take That Vegas, <laughs> July 2017. In June, Tom was on Twitter answering fans' questions when he said he didn't want to define the timeout as a hiatus, although it definitely isn't a split, but they wouldn't release new music just because fans were asking for it. And Danny, speaking to The Sun, said they were being cautious because the music industry had changed wildly in the time they'd been gone. He also admitted that they hadn't yet any music, written any new music for their much-desired comeback. And then in July, Danny caused multiple heart murmurs when he deleted everything from his Instagram and wiped any mention of McFly from his social media. That's the kind of tizzy I go in. I've done that before. 
I've oh, gone and you? take all my fucking new kids stuff off my Instagram if you fucking bitches can't stop using my pictures for your <laughs> shitty Bastards. merchandise. Yeah. But that was just Danny's way of heralding the announcement of solo material without doing the standard big announcement coming in three days, guys, approach. And in the build-up to releasing a single, he spoke with Fabulous magazine about his own struggles with mental health that began when his parents separated when he was 18, just as McFly was starting to take off, and how that led to chronic sleep problems and anxiety. He told Fabulous, I never took any medication because I wanted to train my brain to manage it. I saw a therapist Tom recommended to me. I had four sessions where he taught me how to breathe and understand the reasons why it happens. I trained to breathe like monks, four breaths a minute, calm everything down and just have that moment with yourself. It's like I've trained my brain to understand I'm not dying. And he told the Evening Standard that writing his solo material had finally helped him get closure on his father abandoning the family. So this is now all four of them that have admitted that they've gone through some kind of mental health issue or crisis at some stage. In November 2018, Danny and Tom performed at the Festival of Remembrance at the Royal Albert Hall playing a song Tom had written specially for the 100th anniversary of the birth of the RAF called Born to Fly. I love the Festival of Remembrance. I know it's a very niche thing, especially if people don't you know agree with war or anything like that but i believe it's very important to honor those who you know served and died for the country especially the oh, two yeah. world wars where there wasn't a lot of choice about it i don't doesn't and matter I, what your thoughts are on war you've still got to support the people that died for your country yeah and the, so the festive remembrance is i absolutely adore it and it's the song so the scene starts off with there's a, like a band marches in and it just kills me absolutely mm. gets me at the heartstrings in December, Dougie launched a solo children's book called Plastic Socks, You Can Make a Difference. And in January, he calls palpitations himself when he told the Sapping podcast that McFly would definitely be back together this year. This year being 2019, Ooh. which was confirmed by Harry the following month to a tabloid newspaper. They're so bad at keeping secrets. <laughs> Shortly after becoming the first band to ruin an episode of I'm With The Boy Band, Joe Jonas of the Jonas Brothers told the official Top 40 show, We would love to work with McFly. I'm thrilled to see that they're back together and I like their music. I know the McFly guys, obviously. One's on a Broadway show. One's a new children's book author. The only problem being, Joe Jonas, that they weren't back together yet. (laughs) By June, it looked like it was off again as Danny announced a solo tour and the release of his solo EP called Muddy Waters. And then in September 2019, the first post of their Instagram page since 2017 appears. A pink microphone with the sound of feedback announcing a live Insta the next morning. And true to the word, they appear the next day live trying to get into a lift on their way to a press conference. After a three-year hiatus, they announced a one-off show at the O2, which is the first time they've played there as McFly, Mm -hmm. as well as their first album of completely new material in almost nine years. And that brings us up to Boy Bandipity. Correct. When the whole reason why it's now taken us three episodes to do McFly, because I was so disturbed by the new announcement, (laughs) <laughs> so in addition to that so where that where i finished writing that they've now announced a full tour for next year yeah and they are releasing week by week the lost mcfly songs which are these songs that they recorded for the the six album that have been played on live shows but never put out there so they're gradually putting them out yeah one a week up until the one-off show at the o2 on the 20th of november yeah. although as we know 
it's not going to be a one-off. Well, it's a one-off show this year. Yeah. So what now? We we haven't really had any a, a real McFly album since Above the Noise, which was 2010, and. That was the one that they themselves didn't even really like. It's the one they did with Dallas Austin that they, they never were fully behind. Yeah. And they're releasing the Lost Songs, which obviously were recorded in 2011. So even the material we're getting now as new material is still eight years old. Yeah. I, I really want there to be... A new sound. Like like a McFly now. An the, update. The guys are in their 30s now. Yeah. So I don't want... This is songs they wrote when they were in their mid-20s. It's, yeah, yeah. As grateful as I am, yeah, like, I love that we're getting it. And uh, oh my god, some of these songs are amazing. Red yeah. is fucking ama- amazing. So but yeah, good. But I like that it's a new future for McFly. Yeah, and I hope that the the response they got from doing the one off show, which obviously then you know inspired them to do a full tour. Obviously, everyone knows that it was planned before the one off show. Anyway, there's <laughs> no way that you book a full tour in four days. Um, but that might bring them back together enough to go off on another writing trip in, definitely. in Hollyhead. Yeah, There's definitely. a future for McFly, definitely. Well, does that mean that we get to do another three episodes? <laughs> <laughs> no. Right, let's go off and come back and point them. Yeah. Full-time McFly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very excited. I'm brimming with bursting with anticipation to hear what full-time mcfly have achieved so here's the boy bandology mcfly 18 consecutive top 20 singles 17 of those went top 10 mcfly have also been cited as musical influences for several bands including one direction the vamps five seconds of summer and rixton among their many many awards they have 2004 Smash Hits Awards for the best UK band, the most snoggable male, Danny, the best single and the best album. They won 2007 and 2008 Nickelodeon Awards for the best band and they got Nordoff Robbins Musical Clefts in 2011 for Digital Innovation and in 2012 for the best live act as well as their Brit Award. Let's call up the scoring. They score very, very good points on their songwriting. Yeah. They write all their own material as well as writing for other bands. They wrote for One Direction. They collaborated with James Bourne on Busted Stuff. Uh-huh. They play their own instruments, obviously. All guitars. We we have a vague recollection of an episode one one of them playing a trumpet, which we I think it might have been Harry. <laughs> which they've got a point for. <laughs> doesn't influence it doesn't you know put them above or below another band importantly but we just felt that we needed to do it they've been together 16 years yeah they didn't have any u.s chart hits style we're very we like their hair we've always liked their hair tom's got great hair they're barlowing incredibly oh, tom really is uh, they all are actually yeah <laughs> yeah they're all well fit mm. <laughs> we're both so excited to go and see them and they get very good points for their out with the boy band careers they're best-selling authors mm. they've done solo work they've toured with other bands they won i'm a celebrity they won strictly come dancing so they're great so what do you want to do amy top 20 yeah 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 so top 20 is that section of bands you hate number 20 the herries number 19 the mcdonald brothers number 18 arvin garner at number 17, we have my favourite boy band that we've ever done, The Neutrons. <laughs> At 
At number 16 is Journey South. At number 15 is Big Fun. At 14 is LFO. At 13 is EYC. Yeah. At 12 is BB Mac. And at number 11 is Damage. Ooh. Going into the top 10. <laughs> at number 10, Human Nature. Number 9, Another Level. At 8, PJ and Duncan. At 7, Criss Cross. And at number 6, Bross. Top five. At number five. Five. Oh, yes! <laughs> Finally! <laughs> At number four, the Jonas Brothers. At number three is Busted. At number two... We're basically rollers and coming in at the top of the charts at number one is our boy band of the week, our boy band of the three-week, McFly. <laughs> Yay! They were they're so incredible. And I did. I don't think I realised before I got into doing the research just quite how prolific and successful they were and how talented they were. They were teenage kids when they started and a good chunk of their points, the majority of their points came from that first one, two years of their career. Yeah. And not that they died off. They didn't have a boy band. They've not gone like, you've got three, four years and then you're like, no one's going to be interested. They've carried on. They've had a hiatus, you know, obviously. Sorry, Tom. A non-hiatus. Not a hiatus, Mm. Tom. They've had time where they've took break to go off and do their other things, Mm. you know, musicals, books. Dads. Yeah. Yeah. Parenthood. Go and do dads. But yeah, they're incredible. Oh my God. And they're fucking number one, which means the Bay City Rollers are not number one anymore. No, no shade. Just really fucking happy that... After 30 episodes. Yeah. Yes, McFly, you fucking rippers. <laughs> <laughs> and we get to go and see them in what? Two weeks? No, Three it's weeks. the 20th of November. I have no so... idea what day it is now. Well, we're recording the 29th of September. This goes out so on two the months. 5th of October. Okay, so... About eight weeks, nine weeks, something like that. Oh, I yeah. keep at the top of the charts for that long. They, they must, because I don't think you're going to let me do another big boy band. <laughs> <laughs> now I've allowed Busted and McFly to happen within oh quick God. succession. McFly. But next week we continue. So we continue with the McFly uh, story. Richard Rashman and Fletch management, prestige management. Because mm. next week we've got boy band V to come up. Yes. The boy band that Danny Jones auditioned for. Yes. Wow. I don't want to create any spoilers, but I don't know how well V are doing now. You'd be surprised. <laughs> okay, well, that's it for McFly. Thank you for bearing with us. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your interest. I know that this story has made people laugh and cry and it's made me want to laugh hear more. and cry. Yeah. yeah. We will do you a set of links for all the things where I kept going, you have to go and watch this because you really do have to go watch them. There's tour plays on YouTube. Mm. The McFly show they did that Christmas is on YouTube as well. That's great. Uh, this week's credits go to McFly themselves for their autobiography, Unsaid Things, Our Story, and also to Jennifer Parker's book, McBusted, which takes a lot of its information from the McFly autobiography, but also tells a story. And it was Jennifer's words we used to describe that VT at the start of the McBusted show, yeah. which was very evocative. It's, you know, thank you very much, Jennifer, for allowing us to do that. Um, Fabulous Magazine, they also get a credit as well as a raft of tabloids but I'm 
singling out Fabulous because a couple of the interviews I found mm. were done by a girl called Beth Neal, who's a great interviewer who I worked with when I was at the Mirror. She's brilliant. Great. She's always worth grabbing a copy of Fabulous magazine. Thank you to everyone for listening. Oh, a couple of new uh, Patreon supporters to shout out. Yay. We need to say thank you very much to Sue, who's in Boston, and to Lynn, who's in Australia. Thank you very much for sponsoring us. If you want to support our continued journey through the Ultimate Boy Band chart, we are currently potless because we spent all our money on books and tickets. <laughs> you can find us uh, our Patreon campaign at www.patreon.com forward slash boyband. Or come find us on social media. We're on Instagram at I'm with the Boy Band. We're on Twitter at The Boy Band Pod. And we've got a group and a page on Facebook. Just search for I'm with the Boy Band and you'll find us. Or you can drop us an email at theboybandpod at gmail.com we also have a line of merch which i'm proudly sporting today Mm -hmm. i have my breasts bulging out with the words i'm with the boy band you should too (laughs) there is a link on the show notes for where to find our merch so thank you once again it's we do enjoy doing this these last three weeks have been a lot of hard work getting the research done and yeah, making well done, sure mate. And you've done that you've done all of that so. it's, uh, but it's been really enjoyable yeah it has been really good fun so join us next week to find out what happened with uber boy band v mm. and um, remember it's not the boy band that falls at the top of our charts that's the ultimate boy band it's the one that was there for you when you needed the most and got you from there to here bye bye 